Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.888 on The Breakfast Show Network, wherever you are in Australia, around the world, on the internet. We're not sure, but what we do know is that you are listening to our show this morning. You're joined by myself, Lawson, and we have the wonderful Danuta with us as well. Hi, good morning. Danuta, how are you? I'm really good. Oh, fantastic. Kicking goals, living your best life. Oh, trying to, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Danuta, what are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful for family, Lawson. I just want to – it's my sister-in-law's – 60th birthday today. Happy birthday, Elaine. Mm. Uh, she's down in Sydney. Want to wish her a special happy birthday, but I'm grateful for family. Oh, that is awesome. I am, I'm grateful for family too. I love my family. I was, I was just, uh, yeah, just able to talk to my dad yesterday and just like have a really good convo. Cool. Like, wow. Awesome. I'm also grateful for my friends. I, you know, got to head down to Kurumbong yesterday and do a Bible study with one of my friends and open the word of God. And we were actually studying the topic of the Antichrist and, oh, and wow. looking into that. And then, so my, my friend, he's Chinese and we jump in the car and we went to a, a Japanese restaurant for lunch uh, in Toronto. Shout out Mizumi, the, the restaurant there's Super good, and they have some good vegan food as well. And it's you know local, local business, local owned restaurant. Nice. And we're sitting there, and I, and I walk in, and we're we're waiting for our food, and I'm like, hey, the music that's playing, on you know over the radio is is Korean. It's not Japanese. And I'm like, maybe this is this is a Japanese. I, I think the people here are Korean. I think they look Korean too. <laughs> and he's like, nah, bro, they're Japanese. It's a Japanese restaurant. I'm so like, did you guys ask them in the so, end? So so I went up to the counter to like get um, hand sanitizer. And I said to the lady behind the counter, now I have a bunch of Japanese friends and I interacted with lots of Japanese people when I was working at Newcastle Uni. And uh, I said, oh, Nihonjin this girl, which is like, are you Japanese in Japanese? And she's like, no, I'm Korean. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, and the majority of the people that work here are Korean. We just thought, of, you know, Japanese restaurant would be a fun challenge. Go. So, yeah, <laughs> interesting times. Well, talking this morning in the show, we're going to be talking about the music phenomenon that is rocking Australia. And uh, yeah, see what people are so obsessed about that is happening in that space. We're also going to be talking about Russia and Ukraine. Actually, I'm going to be sharing a personal testimony of some Bible studies that I've been doing with some Pakistani people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have our first quiz for this morning, Danuta. Our question is, according to the Bible, who was the oldest man who ever lived? Oh, okay. Uh, do you know that one, Lawson? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of even, course you would. Even his, his <laughs> age is iconic. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a well-known one. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners probably know it too. If you don't know who this is, we, we want to, okay, this is, this is our challenge. This is usually our standard is if you're a regular church attender and that is that you're going to church every week or, uh, you know, almost every week, we always encourage you to try and answer the quiz based off, you know, just what's in your head. Um, but in some cases, if maybe you're not a regular church attender, um, we'd like to encourage you to open up the Word of God and to have a look in there and, and to find the answer as well. But again, the number is 0491-064-669. And our prize for this week, the Revive Cafe Cookbook number seven, oh, sorry, number eight, which we are going to be drawing tomorrow. So guys, get in for the draw. And can you read that question again for us? Yes. According to the Bible, who was the oldest man who ever lived? Awesome. All right. I uh, am going to do some good news today. And the good news is actually just going to be a testimony of a, a situation that unfolded on Tuesday. Yeah, it was, it was Tuesday. So on Tuesday, 
uh, I was at home and I was sitting at my desk and I was just, you know, hanging out. School's out at the moment. I was preparing. I've got some sermons coming up to do. So I was preparing this, uh, this stuff. Great stuff. And, uh, I get a text from one of my friends mm. that says, Hey, Lawson, I've got this Bible study with a, with these Pakistani people in 10 minutes that I was supposed to do over Zoom. Would you be able to do it instead? Now, the friend who texted me, her name is Hannah, and this is a Bible study that I've done a couple of times that I've been a part of, but she herself has been interacting with these people from Pakistan and teaching them the Bible over Zoom. And how did she get in contact with So Hannah is a part of and helps run this thing called uh, 24-7 United Prayer, which mm-hmm. is essentially a group of people who pray around the clock from all over the world. So cool. there's an Australian slot. There's like a Japan slot. She's in both because she's a Japanese living in Australia. Uh, there's an American slot, Fabulous. you know, a, a, you know a, a South American slot, all these different time periods where people come into this Zoom call and they all pray together. Now, through that, she connected with people from this area in in Pakistan. I'm not sure exactly the story, but somehow they got connected to this pastor in Pakistan who is teaching all these local people uh, the Bible. And this pastor wanted uh, basically people from the 24-7 United Prayer to come on over Zoom and to teach the Bible and he would translate. Now, I didn't know this at the time when I was sharing the Bible, but this person, this pastor is actually, he's a Methodist. I I thought I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and I assumed that the 24-7 United Prayer is a Seventh-day Adventist thing, so I assumed that he's he's an SDA. So I've just been sharing, you know, from the Bible, and and he's translating, and all the messages that I've shared, he's been really on board with, and, and... I know that so Hannah has been the one that's been spearheading this and she knew all this about this pastor that he was an SDA. But she didn't let you know. But she, well, <laughs> it just had never had never been said to me. And so I'm teaching. And particularly, it, it's interesting because, you know, between the Methodists and between Seventh-day Adventists, there is, you know, difference in doctrine and difference in understanding of prophecy. And particularly, Hannah would get me to come in to teach on the prophetic topic. So whether mm. it was Daniel or Revelation, and would open open up, you know, Daniel 2 and Daniel 8 and, and wow. Revelation 13 and that kind of stuff. And I was sharing a very Adventist or a, a historicist perspective mm. on what those chapters share. Not That's necessarily fabulous. completely Adventist, but historicist, and yeah. uh, which... A lot of Methodists aren't typically uh, familiar with. Familiar with. But the interesting thing is, isn't it, that the Seventh-day Adventist Church has got its roots or original history also with Methodists. So this yeah. is an interesting connection e- here. Exactly. And so, well, here in Australia, it's it's changed a lot. You know, in in the states as well, you have the United Methodists in the states. Here in Australia, you've got the Uniting Church. And they've very much rejected those early roots of the Methodist Church. Whereas, yeah, Meth- the Methodist Church and the Adventist Church, when we go back historically, again, as you said, those roots are very, very similar in a lot of practices. Mm. But Anyways, I'm, I'm teaching away. And yesterday, the topic was how to find God's true church. Mm, and I, I share with him, and he's translating for me. And again, I don't know this person's Adventist. They're, just, just, they're a Methodist, but I'm just sharing what I believe. And he's translating then to the group of people in the room. There was about 15 people in this Bible study. And again, we're speaking over Zoom. It was early morning in Pakistan, maybe 8, 8 a.m. or something. And I, I think it was 2, 3 p.m., something in Australia. And my Bible study essentially goes like this. We looked at Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, which yeah. is you see this woman and mm. she's clothed with the sun and the moon and the stars and it's essentially a picture of God's people and she's a pure woman she's mm-hmm. a virgin and this is you know symbolically in revelation the the depiction of 
God's church as this pure mm. woman. Mm-hmm. You go to Revelation 17 and we see this woman who is a harlot and she's, you know, impure and it says that she she makes fornication with the world and we see here that this is a false group mm. of believers. That's right. Yeah. Um, and you can see the clear distinction when you actually put those two chapters together. Hey? That, that's right. And so the foundation of my study is like, okay, we have this pure woman who are God's true people and then this, this impure woman who are false believers and it's essentially like a false religious system and we can see that this false religious system is even you know it's not it's not hinduism or buddhism or something like that this is actually christian based false Mm. christian worship Mm. and so i was like hey what we're going to see then is obviously there's two groups how can we be a part of the good group Mm. you know how can we be a part of god's true people and what are the features of the true church exactly versus the the false church yeah exactly so i just start going through and i had four different signs uh that uh, you know of which was the true people of how to identify the true people yep. of God. The first one is that it was a worldwide movement. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20, you know, go you into the, I've been given authority over the whole world. Go thee therefore and teach every nation, tribe and tongue and people all that I've commanded you and all the, you know, um, to, you know, baptize them, all of these yep. things. So I'm sharing this. Uh, the next sign that I shared is that God's true people would be commandment keeping. And we read mm. that in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, you know, um, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who he keep the commandments of God, God. and also and have, the faith, have the faith of Jesus. They have a sanctifying relationship with Jesus that enables them to live out a life in which they are keeping the commandments. The next sign that I shared is that they preach the three angels message in Revelation 14. Well, the structure of Revelation 14 is that the first five verses we see again, characteristics of God's people at the Mm -hmm. end time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, from verse 6 to 11, essentially, Mm. we see their message. And it's, Mm. you know, the first message is, we've been studying for the the last quarter, the first message is all about worshipping God because he's the creator, which is pointing towards the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. The second message is all about... um, uh, well, calling people out, out of, of false religious systems, and then the th- come out of her, my people. Yeah, that's right. And then the final, the final message, the third message of the three angels' message is about the mark of the beast mm. and what it is, which this person had been taught about already up until this point about mm. the mark of the beast. And it's like so they're preaching this message, and then finally. Um, the last point is that God's true church would have the gift of prophecy or the mm. spirit of prophecy. And that is, uh, firstly, an understanding of the prophetic books of the Bible, but mm. secondly, the gift of prophecy within their midst. Mm. Now, I, uh, which is actually interesting. I've been doing a lot of study recently into cessationism, which is the idea that there are many Christians who believe that the spiritual gifts of the Bible, like prophecy or healing, can't be manifested now. And I think that comes largely as a, re- a reaction to false manifestation mm. of spiritual gifts and faith healers and all of those kinds of and things. And one of the key things with prophet, those who prophesy, it's got to actually go with the Bible. Exactly. That's 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 your ballpark figure, isn't it? Exactly. And But I think the Bible is pretty clear, like... You know, the Bible is clear that the, the, these gifts would follow people. Mm. When Jesus says, hey, if people who are truly following me, the, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of healing, yep. they, they will follow them. Uh, but also at the end of time that this spirit of prophecy would be among these true people. Now, again, for myself as a Seventh-day Adventist, and particularly I come from a non-Seventh-day Adventist background, and when I became an Adventist, you know, I, I did some very rigorous study because I wanted to know what was true. And, there's, you know, I don't have any family that's holding me in the Adventist church. Obviously, I'm, you know, speaking on radio, and mm. I do some work for the church. Now I'm studying to be a minister. But it's one followed the other. It was that, firstly, I was convinced that the Adventist church 
is a true church mm. uh, in the end of time. And then following that, I was like, okay, so then I want to be a part of this mission in this movement. And that's probably why for you too. I mean, you're, you're so convicted in that space too, but the thing is that you – um, you know, you're so passionate about sharing that with others. Yeah. So anyways, I share this. I share these points. And then my final verse I share, I go to Revelation 18, which is, you know, come out of her, my people. And I'm saying, look, you know, we have for a very long time, we've seen particularly over the last 100 years, a real explosion of denominations and explosion of churches. And, and God is definitely honoring people where they're at. You know, mm-hmm. people who are truly worshiping him in any of these religious systems uh, will... God will honor that. But Mm. when we are faced with the opportunity to truly follow God in these end times, particularly when there's issues like Mark of the Beast and false worship and people will be divided over truth, Mm. I'm like, it's time to follow God into into a true church. And I said, for me, from everything that I've observed and from the experience that I have, I've personally had and from the research that I've done, that church is the Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm. And I I shared that um, and I made the appeal, like for those who are wanting to join the church, um, come. Now, again, I didn't realize that the guy that was sharing this message <laughs> is in translating it is How Methodist. Cool is that? And he's saying to me as I'm sharing everything, he's like, amen, this is powerful. And he's sharing that to his congregation. And then it gets back to me over the last couple of days because I told Henna about this and she's like, I had no idea. I just like hung up the phone and, and just telling her, you know, this is what I shared. And she's like, oh, well, they're not even... They're not even Adventist, it, like not even the pastor who's translating. And um, they get it gets wow. back to me that now they're the pastor and members of the congregation, they're members of their Bible study. They all want to join the Adventist church and um, yeah, join this movement. And Isn't I was that powerful. I was so they want to follow the Bible. That's the key of that's it. They right. Want to follow the they Bible. wanted to follow the Bible and and the Bible and the way that the Spirit had been working had been leading them into Adventism. And it was just so funny. Like I had no idea. I was just preaching with conviction. Like how yeah, does this, God work? This is the truth that i didn't muffle it at all but you know for this pastor who's listening he's like yeah this is this is what i'm gonna do this this is what i'm about now super interesting hey if you, if you guys have any testimonies or anything to share 0491 is the number to call a text you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different our next question is: How many times does a times a day was Daniel in the habit of praying? Oh. I think most people would know that one, like mm-hmm. even from childhood years. But sure. unless they're new and just starting to get to know the Bible, really. But how many times a day was Daniel in the habit of praying? Yeah, we have to encourage you as well. This is a fantastic habit to have. So it is a fantastic. If you, if you text in the answer, also give, you know serve this as a personal challenge for all of us. Hey, let's live up to to being like Daniel and praying this many times. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Again, our prize is the uh, Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight. We're giving you that absolutely for free if if you get answers correct and get in the draw. So 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, how many times a day was Daniel in the habit of praying? Hey, well, we've already had our first response, which is fabulous. Wow. They're yeah, you coming guys been, in. You guys have been doing well. Just, you know, answers been coming in thick and fast. Listening to the breakfast show this morning, Danuta, what's happening in the world of, you know, news, current news? Well, one of the big hot ones at the moment that's right out there is about da, 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 
Taylor Smith, who sings far better than I do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> who so, is she, Lawson? Some people don't know who she is. Some sure. of our listeners may not. Mm-hmm. Who is Taylor Smith? Taylor, well, it's Taylor Swift. Swift. I, can't, I did say Smith, but I said Swift firstly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Taylor Swift, well, she is at the moment probably, I'd say, the biggest music artist in the world. And something. Right up there with the Beatles, almost. Well, yeah, yeah, isn't she? Historically. And Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, like all of the historically famous, like, you know, highest selling music artists, Mariah Carey and all these people, like from every single decade, Taylor Swift, her numbers, you know, battle with the best of it. And particularly because she is doing a tour at the moment that is the highest grossing, biggest scale tour that anyone has ever done <laughs> in the history of music ever. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the hype that is surrounding it, you know, I think a lot of our old listeners would probably think back to Beatles mania or something like that. Uh, well, it's something, something that's so iconic that even I know about it. It's like, wow, people, or Elvis, you know, people just obsessed with yeah. these musical artists. Big time. And the ticket, and she's coming to Australia, isn't she? That's right. That's the big thing. They had the pre-sale for the tickets yesterday. And there were 250,000 tickets to sell for all the venues. And there were 800,000 people in the lobby and on the website. Yeah, and some people were waiting three hours just to get one or two tickets. Three and hours, five hours. For people who didn't get tickets, they were in the lobby for 10 hours. So that's how wow. that long the lobby went for. I know multiple people. I was talking to a friend last night who they were in the lobby for 10 hours, didn't get tickets. I was talking to... No way. Uh, that's like a whole day's work. Yeah, I was, I was talking to one of my friends. They work in an office space. Yeah. And they're... You know, one of their colleagues had brought, they have an office computer. They had brought in two laptops and, you know, their current laptop and their old laptop and their phone all sitting in the lobby and none of them got in for tickets. Uh, I have some family members who were going for tickets who they ended up getting, getting some they tickets. Did. But again, they were camping out. They had a network of 10 people. I know people who paid people. Paid other people, eh? Paid people to, to camp to... their computers <laughs> and have their computers open ready for... iPads, computers, phones, phones, anything and everything. Everything <laughs> to be able to get this these tickets. And there was simultaneously, you know, jubilation for people who were getting the tickets. And there was a lot of actually people from overseas you know, getting tickets to resale and people from other states getting tickets in different states for, for resale and different things. Um, but simultaneously, there was a lot of heartache as a result. A lot of heartache. And the, some of the chicken, tickets aren't cheap. They go right up to $1,200, yeah, don't they? Yeah, that's right. So, and like, you know, and some people, you know, if they're wanting to resell the tickets, they'll probably try and double almost that. And people are prepared to pay a huge amount mm. Like Absolutely. that's almost like a flight overseas, return flight overseas. Even <laughs> even more for the resale. The resale for these tickets will go like probably crazy. Most, some of the most expensive resale of all time, like up to like you know maybe four thousand, five thousand dollars for just a regular ticket. They really um, have been talking about that a lot though, because you're only allowed to add ten percent in your resale, or if, uh, if you get caught doing more than that, you could get a fine of over a million dollars. Wow. Hey, that's <laughs> now that's a really big fine. That would be a really huge expense. Wouldn't it? Sorry. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, sorry, you're going to say. Oh, I just, and I think particularly like it's the odds are stacked against you as well because there's 800,000 people in the lobby. But I think there would be a large assortion of that, you know, group that are basically like virtual machines run by companies who do resale. So it'll be like all of these like bots set up to, to buy tickets and whatnot. But the point is, is that there was just so much hype. 
and then so much disappointment. And like, you know, if you look towards uh, kind of big sensationalist news companies, they're all like all these stories coming out about families like having breakdowns as a result of, you know, not getting tickets. And even again, my friend who was in their office space, like the the person who was camping their computer, they're they're in their, you know, they're 30. They, they the person camping their computer was an intern who was like 20 years old. And when she didn't get her tickets, she literally left she had like a breakdown and then left work for the day. Took the rest of the day off no sick way, hey. and was like, I can't, I can't do this. No I'm too way, depressed. It, hey. was, it was wild. And even, so there was a, there was a Facebook post that I caught in the wild from someone I'm friends with on Facebook, um, with a, with a Christian that I'm friends with on Facebook. And it reads like this. This is, this is about not getting tickets. It's about not getting, and it's yeah. just from a Christian. This is from a Christian person. Okay. It says, I am severely depressed. I am more depressed than other people who lost the war today. I stayed awake most of the day um, after a night shift, and for what? Nothing. To make matters worse, tonight I have to do another night shift with next to no sleep. I want to cry. I'm so tired, and I'm probably going to eat a lot of junk food as a result, uh, both last night and tonight. Uh, They continue on. They say, I don't need to know that you're taking your mum to the tour um, who doesn't know a single word to any of the songs. Your boyfriend slash girlfriend who only knows Love Story, which is a classic Taylor Swift song from like 2010, um, is a waste of a seat. Sorry, but it's true. The mum who got the family five tickets whose kids weren't even born when Taylor released her first single. Sorry, but you don't deserve it either. Wishing misfortune on the above categories so they have to resell their tickets. Not like major fortune, misfortune, just a bed-bound flu, you know. I'll be waiting with a high budget. So I read that and I was kind of, I was shocked. Okay, cuz I, I know this person and I was like, wow, like that this is the the kind of feeling that people have towards, you know, this concert and this right. tour and, and I was I, I'm just a bit taken aback. Yeah, and comparing that to people who have missed, you know, who are struggling through war. Now that that in <laughs> itself is just like massive. Yeah. To think people are, you know, leaving their homes, they're being abandoned. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their families are being ripped apart. They're not having the food and stuff. But that kind of goes even like, mm. and I think it's interesting you said that it's coming from a Christian because here's another one that I I read the other day. Mm. God doesn't love me if I don't get Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> well, what do you think of that one, Lawson? God doesn't. <laughs> Love me if I don't get Taylor Swift tickets. I I get that Taylor Swift might be your famous fa- favorite artist, and I get disappointed, you know, being disappointed out, out, over missing out seeing her. Like I totally understand, but particularly as Christians, like there's a few factors. The first one is that she's a secular artist, like, yep. and I'm like to be so wrapped up in something like that. It's idolatry, it, isn't it? It, it really? is a form of idolatry. Let's have a think on that spot, and even maybe your friend too in that yeah. space. But anyone that in, I mean, how much is that creeping in into the Christian mm. um, Christian realm these days yeah. of idolatry? Like, you know, it doesn't mean. I mean, God loves us despite anything. Hey, mm-hmm. like we, we come to Him. He, God is love. That's the theme right through the whole Bible. God is love, First John four, you know. Um, and um, but that's that's the struggle that so many Christians are facing now because there's so much out there now that is pulling people into different directions. And the question for each one of us is. Mm. What is your idol? Exactly. What is your idol? In this case, some are saying Taylor Swift, you know, the singers, but what is your idol? Mm. What is the thing that you place over and above your relationship with God, yeah. I think, is, is the Where huge Where are you spending question. most of your time? And even if Taylor Swift was a Christian artist and there was this level of hype, even if Taylor Swift was a pastor and there was this level of hype and depression over, like, 
it, it would still be idolatry. I, I, yeah. I really, you know, yeah. th- what we see here is whether Taylor, like, I think it's even more disappointing because Taylor Swift is secular, mm. but it, it doesn't matter anything that you're putting above God, you know, being so depressed and overwhelmed over missing out on something like this. Mm. I, I'm like, it's not okay. Hey, again, I get the disappointment. Taylor Swift might be your favorite. Yeah. She's Text like, into us and let us know your thoughts. Yeah. 0491-064-669. Maybe you were trying to, maybe you were camping tickets yesterday and you <laughs> did or didn't get them. <laughs> let us know. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're going to have our next quiz. Our next one is, to what does Paul compare the body of Christ? Is it A, a tree, B, a puzzle, C, a temple, D, the human body? Oh, okay. 0491-064-669. We've got our amazing prize for this week, the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight. Do you want to read that one again for us to do that? To what does Paul compare the body of Christ? A, a tree. B, a puzzle, C, a temple, D, the human body. Mm, amazing. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Right now, we are going to be doing an interview with none other than our, one of our amazing health specialists that comes on to The Breakfast Show. We've got Dr. Justin Jackson on the phone. Justin, are you there with us? I am. Good morning. It's fantastic to be with you. Oh, Justin, we are stoked to have you and to talk about all things health and particularly gems from the Creation Week. Yeah, absolutely. The Creation Week just provides that perfect blueprint to springboard into some great discussions. Mm, Awesome. So last month we talked about day one of the Creation Week and the hormones of of darkness and light pollution. What are we going to be exploring and looking at today? Well, today I thought we should move through in logical order from day one to day two. Mm-hmm. So oh, sure. this morning's Perfect. focus is, is day two, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really the, the perfect combination of gases that God put in the atmosphere and pure air and how that is so beneficial for our wellness. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, the, hi, hi, Justin, um, Dr. Justin. Um, there's, so, there's definitely a theme emerging that each aspect of the creation week is being undone by by humans, um, and so to our and, and also, of course, to our detriment. So, um, last mm-hmm. time we saw that the darkness is being undone at night at an alarming rate, and I think we're aware that the air is certainly um, not the same as it was. Can you tell us a bit more? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. You're right. Last month, we looked at um, light pollution and saw how 80% of the world's population live under light-polluted skies. But air pollution is actually worse, with 90% of the world's population exposed to unhealthy air. And really, it's this very fine particulate matter um, that can get right down deep into the smallest airways of the lungs and then into our bloodstream. And once in that bloodstream, it, it begins a cascade of inflammation that results in all sorts of diseases. Wow. Mm, absolutely. So I'm seeing that what has definitely gone wrong for us since the creation week is that rather than inputting things that God has designed for our bodies, we start to input you know things that are causing inflammation and, and all of these other disease. Then, what is the disease burden for for poor air globally? Like, is this a, is is this really affecting everyone in in a really major way? Yes. So, with 
90% of the world's population being exposed to poor air, it's not a surprise that it's um, it's in one of the top four causes globally of death. So high blood pressure comes in at number one, tobacco at number two, poor food choices at number three, and air pollution at number four. So if we take tobacco at number two and air pollution at number four, what we breathe into our lungs causes the most common cause of sickness and death by far and away worldwide. And almost 15 million people die every year from impure air. Wow. Wow, that's a huge number, isn't it, really? A huge number. And to think that um, air pollution is right up there, even with tobacco, which is in- incredible. So so what are, what are people dying from then, um, Doctor? Um, and is it lung diseases or tell us more, please? Yeah, so it seems obvious that breathing poor air will result in diseases of the lung, like lung cancer and emphysema. But fascinatingly, people didn't always make this connection and it wasn't always accepted. And there are, I think, strong financial reasons why that was the case. Mm. But it wasn't until the 1950s, so only 75 years ago, that um, the scientific, the landmark scientific paper was published that linked lung cancer with cigarettes. Mm. And I'm ashamed to say that my profession were actually prescribing cigarettes from the 1930s wow. through mm. the 1950s. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And it's just uh, it's hilarious to read now in in a in a sad sort of way. But the the advertisements, you know, doctors, lawyers, merchants, chiefs of every walk of life agree that cools are soothing to your throat. You know, this kind <laughs> of advertisement. Yeah. Oh, wild! So I guess it's not cool to smoke cools then. It wasn't cool to smoke cools. (laughs) But interestingly, a Bible-based writer, Ellen White, had written almost 50 years before that. Mm. Um, And I'll just share the quote because it's it's such a good quote and it's as true today as it was back then. She wrote, tobacco is a slow, insidious, but most malignant poison in whatever form it's used. And it's all the more dangerous because its effects are slow and at first hardly perceptible. So her words were based on the creation gems that we're exploring and they've proved prophetic. Yeah, mm. isn't that incredible though that she wrote so much um so much earlier like about that mm. when we, when we base our faith on the Bible I guess we were ahead so much more of medical science like in the Bible it's it's there um and we seem to have moved away from the traditional cigarettes haven't we really now as a society. Um, mm, mm. But but I've noticed that there's a concerning number of people, I guess, moving towards e-cigarettes, which I really watched something just recently about that. That really caught my attention. Oh, yes. I think this has really slipped under the radar. So the use of traditional cigarettes, as you say, and tobacco has dropped by about 70%. But it seems like we've traded the Melbros and Peter Jacksons for jewel pods and vape pens. Mm. And I think there's a perception that the the aerosol is a harmless water vapor, but it is not. It's it's a lung and body destroying toxin. Now vaping is something that has become very popular amongst mm. my generation, you know, people in their twenties and earlier. And, and then people also just replacing smoking with vaping as well because it's working out cheaper at the end of the day. But you know, how mm. is it working? What what is you know, what's going on there and what are those effects? Yeah. So Look, it's it's really interesting to start to unpack that. So the vaping device has a heating element and a liquid, and that liquid 
usually contains in 99% contains nicotine, mm. um, some flavorings, and then a cocktail of other chemicals which aren't really disclosed. And so, you know, it takes external people to analyze these and find out exactly what's in them. And when you start studying into it, um, you know, 350 different chemicals identified in one particular study, 42 were known to be harmful in, if inhaled, and three were classified as causing irreversible lung damage. Wow. And the, the rest just hadn't been looked into. So we don't, we don't exactly know um, what they're doing. But I was really interested to read in one study that there wasn't a single component that you could remove to stop the damaging effect. Mm. It was just the fact that we were putting irritants into our airways that was resulting in the, in the damage to the blood vessels and lungs. Wow. You know, I remember being a young person, being in school at the age of maybe six or seven and going into the Healthy Harold truck and they're, they're showing like that, oh, you know, they really freaked us out in a good way. They were like, oh, you know, um, cigarettes, they have tar in them and they have this and that and the other, you know, it's not safe and, and really sharing that information and, and being like, oh, wow, you know, uh, but it, it seems as though that research and that culture hasn't you know and that teaching for young people hasn't been kind of manifested for, for younger children and as a result more and more younger children in getting are getting into it because they believe it's somehow safe but it doesn't seem from what you're saying to be safer from traditional products because it's packed with all of this garbage absolutely not no we've just really transitioned from one poison to another um and it's been repackaged and and, and repatched mm. um i just yeah there was a fantastic quote that i came across on the quit website mm. um that i'll just share with your listeners if that's all right um they wrote that e-cigarette liquids contain up to 200 chemicals many of them toxic and contained in weed killer bug spray wow. and even paint dinner Vaping has been linked to seizures, impeded brain development in young people, lung injury and facial damage from exploding e-cigarettes, mood disorders, inability to concentrate and interrupted sleep. And they write, the only thing your lungs should be breathing in is fresh air. It's a, it's a creation gem. And quite, yeah. in, quite incredible, isn't it, when you think 200 chemicals and they're, they're all chemicals that you wouldn't really pick up and drink or sniff or take necessarily, you know, <laughs> and no, yet they're all combined no. together into all this vaping and all these young people are thinking, oh, I'm, you know, pretty cool, I'm, it's fine. But really, like you say, the only things that, you know, is the best is, is fresh air. Um, so are, are, are tobacco companies actually behind the vaping at all? Oh, naturally, yeah. Tobacco companies have spent years developing these products to replace their lost market from the traditional products. And um, yeah, vaping's just relabeled and, and rebadged. And they really do know what they're doing. They've had decades of experience. So with their advertisement, the flavourings sound cool and harmless, as, as we were talking about before, really designed to target teenagers like Cherry Crush, Pina Colada, Vanilla Bean, Bad Apple. Wow, peach all the sweet watermelon, stuff. <laughs> bubble gum, yeah, Tutti Frutti. <laughs> so, and, and it's working as well. They're, they're using the social media platforms and advertisements on there. So, you know, three quarters of our kids have seen, recently seen an e-cigarette post or content. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, really sad to say that between 20 to 30% of high school students in the U.S., maybe a little less, maybe around 15 to 20% in Australia um, have used vaping products. 
Now, the big issue with vaping and the reason why it becomes so popular, similarly to smoking before it, is that it's packed with nicotine, right? Like it's it's just uh, yeah. addicting and it's yeah. just doing the same thing. Yeah, it's highly addictive and it traps the user so they continue to buy the product. And, you know, obviously from the company's side, there's good reason for that. Their um, profits have gone from $15 billion in 2018 up to $40 billion oh, wow. in wow. 2023. So they, they, they want to trap our, our young people. And nicotine is one of the most addictive substances we know of. Mm. Juul, one of the most popular vaping brands, has as much nicotine um, in a single pod as 20 regu- regular cigarettes. So wow. an entire pack of cigarettes, traditional cigarettes, in one pod. Mm. And I've also really studied the chemistry and used nicotine salts. Um, so that gives really high levels, like a, a really rapid hit. Um, and, you know, we're worried about our kids' attention and other things. Mm. and and this is damaging their attention, their learning, their impulse control, particularly with a developing brain between ages, you know, up to age 25. Mm. Wow. Wow, that's huge, isn't it? And you're saying, I mean, there's so much nicotine in it. And um, and mm. I guess some people would start trying to use it and then they want to give up, really. So what happens when they might try and quit? Yeah, that's that's when, when the kicker comes. Um, they get overwhelming urges and cravings to vape again. They feel irritated and upset if they don't, jumpy, restless. They really struggle to concentrate, to have trouble sleeping. They get hungry. And then just all those mood disorders, feeling sad, anxious or depressed. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something. It, it, it looks pretty and glamorous on the outside, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a terrible trap. Mm. Mm, awful. Well, hey, what can we do about this? You know, it sounds like a really important conversation to have with our young people and children. Is it just starting to get young people aware? Is that the steps that we can take? I think that's the first step. So as, as we talked about um, through this discussion, a lot of people see it as the better alternative to cigarettes, but, you know, I think we really have to expose the, the truth and the fact is that it's an unscrupulous company um, seeking to trap people and destroy their lungs, minds and body. And so I think getting the information out there, there's really good resources online that are worth checking out. And then, you know, we replace it with something. Take our kids out to a forest or up in the mountains, breathe deeply the pure air that God has given us for free. Mm, absolutely. Justin, thank you so much for joining us this morning and giving us some insight into this issue that is particularly affecting young people and I think that many listeners will resonate with and uh, will start to have those conversations with their young people, with their children as a result. So, Justin, thank you so much. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.